0: Wallace to his left, and he's on his way. Ten, nine, five, three, cut down. Wonderful try.
1: We have a mole, Jim.
0: Diggs like a demented mole there. He just busts through the defence. Just watch this. Splendid, beautifully. In go the Irish for us. This is Lannahan, bursting in. Back to Bradley, back to Cannon. The drop of goal is over. Michael Cannon has done it.
1: Good evening and welcome to the Molecast. Good evening. Good evening. I prefaced this exact episode last year, number 67, by saying this is the worst Molecast ever. <laughs> Little did I know we'd make a worse one a year's <laughs> time. <laughs> oh, so, uh, you have to laugh. You have to laugh, indeed. Leinster lose their second match in a row by a point. The second European Cup final in a row to La Rochelle. Serious questions need to be asked of Leinster. <laughs> Let's ask the questions about the game as a in a in a, in a micro sense uh, before asking the macro questions. Let's talk about the game. What was the winning and losing of it for you? Yeah,
2: I I always we we I would say quite a bit different in that I, I tend to focus on the micro and I think that you would not focus on it, but you would have a, a bigger eye for the big picture or a keener eye for the big picture. But most of the time I look at it and go like, uh rugby stuff happens in the game and then people make a narrative sort of to make sense of it or to confirm things that they want to believe afterwards. So for me in this game... Uh, the losing of it is Leinster's, uh, well, two, two, two big things. One from uh, a Leinster um, sort of failure point of view is repeated failures to uh, to get out of their 22. Repeated failures with kicking, basically. Repeated mistakes with kicking. You know, from about 48 minutes to 50, 56 minutes, I think Leinster had four botched exits, essentially. You know, a block down off Ross Burn. Two uh, straight out, having brought the twi- ball into the twenty-two, one from James Lowe, and and one from uh, James and Gibson Park, and then uh, as you know, a, a, a botched clearance kick from uh, from James, and there was another one later from from Gibson Park, but it was sort of outside of that big period of constantly, you know, every two minutes having getting a turnover, and then straight away. Or almost straight away giving the ball back to La Rochelle either in the Leinster 22 or just outside the Leinster 22. That was a big item for Leinster. And then in the unfortunate aspect, which is just one of these things that happened, James Ryan goes off after 29 minutes, having had a really good first half hour, and you know, being able to, you know, effectively uh negate. Will will Skelton or equal him. Uh and that's uh that was a really big loss for Leinster. You know, was, he went off Leinster were twenty seven up directly on his leaving within the same sort of break and play. It went to Leinster twenty three seven. Um but soon after that um you know the the game starts turning against Leinster. So I thought I thought that those two, if I was asked, and I have been asked to, <laughs> to look at what uh, you know the the losing of the game was for Leinster, I would say those things. So one is a one is a sort of a Leinster issue, and then another thing is just like something that happens; it can happen in any game.
0: My I guess um, sitting on sitting in the north stand, which is the the small one, and sitting at the back of that is like kind of what sort of like watching a club match in the car park um in that it's it's not a it's not a viewpoint that you you'd pick if you were given your selection of the ground um but it's it's great to be in the in the stadium to get like the feel of the match if i if i put it that way um so what hit me was like <laughs> at the end of it, how much I was sort of hoist by my own patard. Like, I thought that Leinster planned really well for La, La Rochelle in terms of um, areas they could exploit and plays they had, and they were clinical. And... Um, Clinical with the first line out. Clinical with the James 50 fifty twenty two. Clinical in exploiting the the sort of the short side and go and score out wide with uh, Dan Sheens when Ker- when Ker- Barlow was off the pitch. Um, incredible, but you, you felt it was like I said, it, it, clinical is the word. Like it was, it was bloodless in that. Even though they were so far ahead, you sort of thought to yourself they have to start breaking La Rochelle now. like they have to break La Rochelle like La Rochelle haven't touched the ball yet. So what happens when they do touch the ball like what's going to happen here because you really feel with uh, Ogara's team that they're they're mesmerized by the the confidence that he brings and the confidence that they have in their game plan and you kind of think to yourself, at what stage is that going to be broken? Like, how can you snap your fingers and bring and make them wake up and just go and we're going to lose this? Like, we're too far behind. These guys are too good. Like, whatever it is. So, the the things that hit me were Larishel's first entry in the twenty two. James Ryan got a turnover from them all and set it back. Gibbo's pass didn't look that good. So this is this is at the end. That's very close. And we were sitting. We were all sitting down. Then it. We were sitting different seats, but. Um, James Lowe didn't, sorry, Gibbo's pass didn't look that bad. On the replay, it actually looked quite loopy. But in, in, in the match, it, it looked okay. And James Lowe just knocked it on, and you're like, fuck.
2: Yeah, I, I would disagree. You know I mean?
0: I, I really thought, bollocks. Now, having had this massive turnover, which is a great opportunity to to break, you know, not to break them, but to start chipping at them. Um that drop was was really bad in my eyes. And then I couldn't understand Leinster's decision to put Robbie Henshaw on the blind side in when the scrum reset. So when this when the scrum set up, Ross Byrne was at the blind side. Now at this stage, Carbardo's off the pitch, uh, Bryce Doolan's putting the ball into the scrum. Um I can understand that Leinster are concerned about Aldrich picking and going because if you think about it, do they you know, it's he, he's such a big player for them. He's a guy who's going to take on responsibility. He's not a very dynamic carrier. he's a very strong guy. he's very fit. he's in the right place a lot of the time, but he's like there's better there's better ball carriers at eight in the pro 14. you know like the two guys who play for the Edinburgh and Glasgow are both better ball carriers in terms of like just pure dynamic from a standing start. So I kind of felt Ross Byrne should be fine there with Keelan Doris and James Lowe. Uh, even if Doolan comes around, like it's it's quite narrow space to defend, and you, you can scramble across. And instead, they moved. So the scrum reset. They moved Robbie Henshaw. Sorry, they moved Robbie Henshaw around for the reset scrum. And you're looking at it going, Jesus, like you got Dante and Sartini now. There's a lot of there's a lot to play with there. Even though they're they're down a man, and then Ringrose tackle was poor because the technique was poor. He basically gets in his own way by getting his head on the wrong side and he gets his body in his way of his legs. So while he shoots up and gets good power, he's, he's no follow-through. So he he just bounces off. like He can't get his arms in the right place. He can't get the leg drive. He just bounces off and, and Daddy scores and you go, oh, that's a terrible soft try to give away. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Robbie Henshaw had got around and was clinging to him and dragging to him and you go like, Robbie Henshaw is like that. Robbie Henshaw will... Want, like Robbie Henshaw wants to make the tackle. Like most guys want to defend because they're pro players and they've been they've been trained. Like Robbie Henshaw wants to hit you. That's there's a difference. So I felt that was a really 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 bad try to give away because that was their first entry in the twenty two, and they got a try from it, and they were down a man, and they didn't really have to do anything except give it to Dante and and he just ran. So like, and. There's rugby stuff that happens. I do not understand why they moved Henshaw to the blind side. Mm. I don't understand why they moved the best defender that they have away from La Rochelle's most potent attacker in that situation. So that was really bad. And then watching it in the in the replay. Like, Dan Sheen's decision to offload, i sort of going, geez, hoist by my own petard again, because I'm there going, like, Leinster need to offload. Now, they don't need to go offload going backwards. I guess Sheen was concerned about being penalized in a breakdown situation because he was being gang tackled. So these two guys were attacking him, and he doesn't know how many Leinster players are around him, and he sort of thinks, shit, if I go down here, these guys are going to spring to their feet, and one of them is going to get his hands on the ball right in front of the sticks, and I'll get penalized. So I'll, I'll, I'll pop it off. And Tyger Furlong is kind of running backwards. Thirty-six minutes in, Tyger Furlong is absolutely gassed, and the ball just bounces. Like, he doesn't throw it to Tyger Furlong; he sort of throws it in his direction. And sure Furlong doesn't have the mobility to get there. So that that was a really sort of easy enough turnover. Now maybe Leinster thought it had been knocked on. It hits Setini's knee. It was quite clear from Piper that's what he thought. And he like Piper was telling them, hits his knee, hits his knee yeah. from, from the beginning. Again, he, 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 you know he he signaled pretty much instantaneously. And then you're at 23 14. And they haven't had to do anything for their tries, really. And again, their
2: second try was like,
0: it's a huge gap in our defense. Soutini just waltzes through. Just coasts in. And doesn't, and doesn't have to score in the corner. He doesn't have a hand laid on yeah. him. And you just go, she's going to bang over the conversion there. Yeah. Whereas Leinster scored two tries in the corner while they were getting tackled. Like, they really had to work yeah. to get those tries.
2: And like Soutini goes in, as you say, maybe after four phases or something like that? You're going, how have we got stretched so badly out of shape? And of course, you know, they're big carries and um Antonio and Boogerid had a good carry, but you're going, Jesus, we've just completely got out of shape within four phases. Like, they haven't had to drag us out of shape. We've almost gone out of shape ourselves.
0: But uh, I, I suppose the the differences I'd see it between the, the first try and the second try and... Uh, Sheehan's decision to offload is—is is it's dynamic, like it's happening. You know, you 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 don't have time to think. You're reacting to it, and you're making a decision in in real time. So that's that shit happens. That's like that. That's kind of what do you call it. I want it, instantaneous. So that's that's fast thinking, if you want to put it like that. Whereas your decision how to defend off a scrum is slow thinking. And then the other thing that hit me in the second half was you're going get somebody up at one in the lineout. Or get somebody up at two. Or put your hooker standing in that slot and lifting somebody at one. But, like, they're throwing everything to the front. Take that away. Like, even even if you're just going to boogeries, like, you're going to have to throw over me. Just, like, do something. Because La Rochelle just kept on winning ball after ball after ball at two. And you're there going, come on. Get somebody up there. And that would really frustrate me because again, that's, that's slow thinking. That's decision. Like that's, you have a choice of a set piece about what you're going to do. So uh, they were the two bits for Leinster that really got to me because the clearances, the knock-ons, the offloads, you don't have time. Like you're, you're up against big guys who are really well trained, who are really concentrated, very, very difficult environment. But when you have time to think about it, mm-hmm. you gotta, a good point. you have to think.
2: And you know, the thing is with the clearances, like both of those players who had bad kicks, sorry, like James O and uh, Gibson Bar, they also had very good kicks in the game. It's not like they went out and just had like absolute mares. Like both of them had good bits of kick and it's like, sometimes the ball just comes off your, your foot, you know, two centimeters the wrong place. And all of a sudden it's spilling into touch rod and going down the pitch. So it's uh I, I agree with that, but I do think that those that constant inability, like I don't know, it's just a cliche, but the inability to clear the line. So bit more essentially the inability or the repeated giving the ball to a La Rochelle line out close in just is a very difficult uh thing to get over. It's a very difficult series of plays to get away from. And, you know, I have to say that in this game, Leinster's uh, breakdown was so much better, and especially their defensive breakdown was so much better than it was in the previous final in terms of the amount of steals they got. But one thing which uh, you, what you'd brought up before was, was really obvious, uh, and, I'm sorry, really apparent in that if you are tackled and isolated and you think you're going to give away the pen, just give up the ball.
0: This is what Lara Shell did. Yeah. 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 And you, you could see how, you could see in the Six Nations, I think, in particular, how much the penalty count influences the game. That if you've got very good discipline, you you just do not give the opposition a foothold because you're giving away possession and you're giving away territory when you give away a penalty. Mm-hmm. So just like give, don't give away penalties whenever you can. Um, and I, I, I guess, <laughs> like Leinster did a lot of things that I said they'd have to do to win and they still lost. Whereas La Rochelle didn't give away half as many penalties as they gave away last year. Like mm-hmm. last year, La Rochelle went out of the way to give away penalties, I thought, in order to to stop Leinster um to break up and uh, for whatever reason maybe they thought that the ref would just lose interest and penalize them maybe they thought they'd break up the rhythm of Leinster maybe they thought that they'd be quite happy defending Leinster's line out and they didn't think Leinster would kick as many points but this time they didn't give up as many penalties at all and they really they starved Leinster from getting possession in their half and you know like if it's one of those things that when you watch Leinster, you go, "Geez, that you kick a lot. Now, I don't know as much this season because it didn't strike me. It did strike me a few years ago that when Leinster were on their own half, they they pretty much kick all the time. Now, the laws have changed since then and I think Leinster have changed their game a bit. But, if I go back three years ago, you'd have just go like, Leinster kick a lot and they kick a lot from their own half. So, there's a muscle memory there that when you're in, in your own half, you do kick. Like, Leinster, and... I guess that's just very clever coaching. Mm. Denzer
2: kicked over for over a thousand meters in this game, which is high by by any game. So he kicked 30 times. Uh, And a lot of those are like, you get a lot out of a James Lowe, you know, the 50-22. Charlie Nantai had a big long kick when he came out on Ross Byrne, had a couple of long kicks down the middle. So those things are like, they're like 60 meters, 70 meters, 80 meters, 80 meters. They, you know, they all add up. Um, But the, the issue I, I was sort of getting towards there is like Charlie Natai had a good steal on the ground. And once once it was sort of stolen, like the La Rochelle guy goes, well, I'm not giving away the pen. Ball's gone. Leicester get the ball back. They're disorganized. And, you know, within the next phase, they're going, fuck, you know, we can't attack off this. You know, we're deep in our own half. We don't want to play in our own half because we'll get turned over because they have all of these really good threats. Like, Bottia got one of the cleanest steals I've ever seen in the first half. It was amazing. Yeah, but you know, they have Dante, they've Bottia, the Boogery, they've got Aldridge, they've got all these guys who are great at steals. So they're going, then they're just like, we do not want to play in our 22. Either they'll kick a goal, <clears throat> excuse me, or they'll kick in, and they'll kick a kick to the corner and maul us with their enormous pack. So they're going, listen, let's not play in our 22. But they're in that, in that instance, that one, and a Dan Sheehan one, and I think... Josh van der Fleer, one or maybe it was two Dan Sheehan's. They're getting the ball, it's a it's a clean turnover, so to speak, but they're still going, Geez, we don't want to play in our 22. We don't want to, we're disorganized. We've been in defense, we have no depth in attack, no one's lined up correctly, and we don't want to play in our 22. So we kick the ball away. And once again, I have to say, Breece Doolan, another absolutely blinding performance. He's had three great games for uh, La Rochelle against... And he, when he plays for France against Ireland, he always has great games. He's a guy who just has a... Like, he plays fullback so well. You know? Yeah. He plays it so well. He makes very few kicking errors. He makes very few handling errors. And he's a great positional player. And then he's just, like... Just a sort of
0: classy fullback. So I guess the, there was a lot of little points in what La Rochelle did... This time around that took away Leinster's weapons. Mm. Um don't give them line outs in your own half. Don't um make them kick from their half and just trust trust your maul. Like trust the fact that we'll be able to if you're if you're Sheldon, that you'll be able to maul them. And um like you, you just got to give it to O'Gara. O'Gara just completely and utterly trumped.
2: Yeah, Leinster. I think so.
0: And you know, if you're, it, it's all quite a battery. If what a battery? Ifery because I, I I didn't what a battery? What ifery? <laughs> what, what a battery? What a battery? I didn't think this during the match, but I've, I've thought it sort of subsequently that. Um, like to have run Jimmy O'Brien at out half. Like, they were never far enough back to take off Rossburn, And they didn't have the bench, to be honest, with Frawley to to move Jimmy into out half. But if you just go, we need to change the shape of our game, um, arguably, you know, with Ringer on, you could move Ross to centre and put Jimmy into out half. But, like, it's, it's... it looks like a panic move. Like you, you'd have to train with it during the season. You'd, 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 have to run with it and go. Look, this is one of the strengths that we have. This guy is is so versatile that we he can actually play at ten and he can run enough moves and we present a different shape to mm-hmm. the opposition, because Ross isn't that player mm-hmm. to sort of get your starter game going. Um. And this is how we'll be able to attack from deep is that we'll we'll put a guy with winger pace and, you know, top fitness and distribution into first receiver and we'll use him. And he, he's got a kicking game, you know, mm. but like we, we need to present something different because they've gamed us. And like La Rochelle are so strong that if, if they figure you out, you remain figured. Mm. and that that's that's really what's been like that's been what's apparent in the last in the in the two second halves that Leinster have had about against La Rochelle in the two finals they've been owned. yeah and i was having won the two first halves
2: yeah i was as as you were saying i was sitting like direct literally directly behind the posts one thing which i was really struck by was how well the la rochelle backs move left and right off the ball you know those sweeping patterns that they that they run um, so it's not just a case that they're, like, obviously they have this enormous pack and an enormous set of subs. You know, they bring on Sclavi and uh, that uh, Georges-Henri Colombe, who are just huge. Um, so they have this enormous pack to bring on, but they're also, like, they've really astutely run and astutely coached backline. And they do, the, you know, basic good parts of rugby really well, like... They run onto the ball uh from depth and, and, and take it at full pace. Um and there are, then you have the the enormous ball carrier thing, which is like if you go in one on one against Will Skelton, you just don't you don't make any impact. You know, even if it's two on one, he still gets gain lines. Same with Antonio. Those two players I thought had outstanding games. Bouger was a little quieter than usual. Um he's had some big games against Leinster. Alders was very good. And um, now I would say as well, like Leinster lose James Ryan on, on twenty nine minutes. You know, I saw an Optus stat said that even though he only played twenty nine minutes, he had the most dominant tackles of any player on the pitch. You know, he had three dominant tackles in in the first like twenty eight minutes, and then you lose Tyg Furlong after forty four, and and Tyg had didn't look. You know, sat out the captain's run didn't really look fit in this game. And to be honest, hasn't really looked fit all season. He's been struggling for the whole season. And um, so, you know, you, you lose that sort of right-hand side of your scrum, two of your most experienced and most physical players. And then you you have to deal with the physical power of La Rochelle. And they're just getting more and more meters with those guys gone. And then you have this, you know, excellently run back line of Astoy Dante, who's another huge threat. But then, say, Tenny had an excellent game. Um, Neither of the wingers had as big games as they had the previous year. But they still are such a live threat without the ball and off the ball. So, you know, really, really comprehensively good team.
0: And yet, Leinster were in it all all the way through. And there there was, again, given the position, a lot of the matches happening very far away from me in the second half. And you're kind of going on the vibes of Leinster can't get out of their own half. Like, it's it's all going on. <laughs> yeah. there. Um, and when I watched the, re- the replay on telly, I was there going, Jesus, like, Leinster played well in the second half. Mm. In terms of guts, in terms of defense, in terms of, like, the penalties that they gave away weren't stupid penalties. Mm. They they were very like, shit, is that a penalty? And you're going, oh, right, that's the way he's reffing it. Um, The Henshaw one. The Henshaw one and the Doris one. Like, where where they were in the pitch, you're going, geez, you're giving them points, you're giving them field position, but you're looking at it go...
1: Could have gone right way. On another day,
0: like, that's a turnover. And on another day, like, that's not a penalty. It's just just play on, you know. So their discipline was very good. And uh, I guess the other thing that I thought when I was walking out the pitch was you know, what's what's the difference between Ireland and Leinster? Because immediately you're sort of going, shit, like, does this mean Ireland are going to be crap at the World Cup as well? And you sort of think to yourself, but like, yeah. I don't know, maybe. Um, but Leinster weren't crap. They they got beaten by a team that, you know, styles make fights. They got beaten by a team that outmatched them in a lot of different ways. And as we say, like, Will Skelton is is Leinster's kryptonite. Like it, and yet, yet again... It's happened. Um, and only beaten by or, a point. And only beaten by a point. Whereas, whereas Ireland, in the match against Scotland, when Keen Healy came on as hooker, Ireland have that ability with Farrell to play differently and to kind of roll with the punches. And in the match against the All Blacks, when Ireland made that very fast start and then started get to get, in the third test, and then started to get, you know, pulled back in again, you go, well, what happened? And you go, well, Ty Burn happened. And, like, Leinster let Tideburn go at, at, at the sort of the beginning of the Leo Cullen end of the Stuart Lancaster, or not Stuart Lancaster, Matt O'Connor era, mm-hmm. where you go, shit, if he'd been played a bit more, would would he have been seen? But you're going like, he's training with all the time. You're kind of thinking, shit, like, how do you let that guy go? Um, and that's, you know, that that's really grasping. Well, yeah, I have a different, I have a different it's, opinion It's than the you. kind of the, it's like with Ireland after the Scotland match, I was saying like they've forgotten how to lose. Scotland played really well. Scotland on a Grand Slam run. Scotland playing in Murrayfield and keep losing players. Ireland keep losing players and just seem to get better from it.
2: Yeah, La would beat Scotland.
0: Oh no, I'm, I'm not, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I have a different opinion than you because I was,
2: you know, it's a certain, I, I can't remember who wrote it, but it was one of the journalists in Ireland, either the Indo or the Irish Times going, Oh, Ireland aren't, uh, Leinster aren't Ireland, right? And that which is true. And, you know, it's not the same players, not the same coaching. It's not the same coaches. Basically, it's the same players. Like the last game that Ireland played, there were 12 Leinster players in the starting lineup. You know, so, yeah, it, it is going to be an issue. Now, I don't think they see, the main, the main thing that I would say is that, like, not many teams, like no other team bar Australia has access to Wills. It. Like Skelton is a monster. He is a unique. Like he's better. He's been better over the last four seasons in European rugby than Bakky's Bolta was. And better than Martin Johnson was. He is, in my opinion, the best tied headlock in the history of the competition. Like he's I'd agree with that. You know, yeah. he is an absolute you know, I can't believe. You know, that a guy of his size is playing 80 minutes, finishing games strongly, and not, like, unlike Antonio, he's he's turning up in the 15s. He's not just running up and down the central corridor and getting the ball, and maybe if he doesn't carry, he turns and gives a pass. Skelton is, Skelton's, like, playing, like, in different parts of the pitch, and he is just an absolute, he's so hard to play against. I can't think of a player who has been at, at European level which is like the knockouts of European semi finals, finals, who has been such a difficult player to play against. Like Stefan Armitage had a couple of an amazing seasons, well, one amazing season when he just co- you couldn't get him off the ball. He was winning like three turnovers every game. And uh, Shawnee had a great, Sean O'Brien had an amazing uh, 2011. But like Skelton's better than bigger, bigger, more, more influential. For longer, he's just been... He's an absolute nightmare to play against.
1: On the subject then of the slow-thinking uh, tactical mistakes that uh, Leinster made, the end game, uh, Leinster didn't take a shot at goal with a difficult place kick, put in a very poor line kick where they had to have Josh van der Fleer thrown in uh, and then didn't seem to have a... Drop goal setup in their armory. Like, take your fucking points. Yeah, div- difficult kick, difficult place kick.
0: Definitely. Do you you mean from the? I think
1: from the first penalty. Take a t- have the take a kick a goal. Hundred percent. Just like they should have against Monster. Like I I, I know uh, the like um, kicking into the corner and like going. Obviously, there's some kind of there must be some kind of process they go through. You kick that, you win the European Cup, most likely. I, I would have been,
2: like, I think I was on 74 minutes, something like that. Yeah. So you take, it was a 90 seconds for. A minute for a kick and 90 is a, for mi- a conversion. No, it? okay. So you take that kick and say you get it and it puts you up by two. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have five minutes to defend against La Rochelle. So do you think that came into it, that, that line of thinking? Or do you think he just said, "No, I can't get this kick. It's too long for
0: me." I've played like seventy-four minutes. I think they both did. I, I was looking at the distance of the kick. Going, I'm sure he shattered. Um, now he also had Frawley. <laughs> you know, like he could. I can't remember what stage Frawley came on. Didn't Frawley come on just after? No, Frawley was on the pitch at the end, was he? At the end, yeah. yeah. Everyone came on. Um, anyway. and did, like and does he does he put on fresh legs and go and then the second bit, do they want to defend for that long against Lara Shell? Um she said look, rather even, defend the lead than not be in the lead Absolutely. Yeah Ab- absolutely So do you think then
2: that he like he just so said even, I don't have the I don't have it in me I to think knock he, this I over? Think
0: he, I think he said that now I also think that the throw into Ross Maloney was crooked, you know, so sort of, crooked. Well, I, it wasn't
2: crooked; it was just straight airline.
0: <laughs> you know, and I, I, think the so I think when you're when you're sort of commenting on the Piper thing, I also was kind of worried that with Frank or not Frank Sheehan, um Dan Sheehan's second try, that it would get called back from a knock on by Maloney. I thought it was fingertips that Maloney got to it, and I thought it went sort of flat enough that that's knocked on, and I, I was just like, I was going, "Burn, take the kick." So, and just get back, Mm. (laughs) you know, like don't let him stand in the way here. Um, So those, you know, sometimes those decisions go for you. Sometimes they Mm. go against you. Um, But but then not not, not having a... Not not going into the drop kick, I didn't understand. Because again, in the north stand, like that's right in front of you. And you're just waiting for him to get in the pocket. Yeah, just move it towards the center of the pitch, have it in between the 15s, Get guys standing to the right of the rook, so they're they're blocking off your your right foot. Make sure that the scrummy passes to your right hand side in the sort of the Matt Dawson, or Johnny Wilkinson, mm-hmm. and 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 just have a go. And picture never happened. Yeah, and you're just there going, I don't understand why that didn't.
2: Yeah, somebody pointed out on the the Leinster fans website that it's six years since uh, Leinster dropped a goal. No way. Yeah. Uh, I think it's 27. It was Ross Byrne. And if my memory serves me correctly, it was Ross Byrne to beat Glasgow 2018, like a last last minute drop goal.
0: Uh, But six years since we've dropped a goal. Got beat by a kick the previous week. Like it had to be at that end. Yeah. (laughs) I think it had to be burned into their mind. And like it was a lovely day. Yeah. Surface is great. I thought there was
2: two, haven't watched it again. I thought there was two potential chances before we actually get right up to their line. We are in the middle of the pitch, which obviously makes it a little bit longer than than being, you know, having, having the ruck, you know, four metres out. The ruck is about 15 metres out, but I thought there was one and two phases there you go, central. You know, this is, this is an opportunity. And then you had Natai making an extremely strong run up the left where he's going... Like he was literally, the legs were just chugging along, and he's still going, moving forward. And you had two, and then a third shell La lad hanging out and you, going, "It's not going to go all the way here." And then you go, <laughs> "Like how quickly your brain works." He's going, "It's not going to go all the way here." It's, oh, here's but he's going to get held up. It was <laughs> no, not. He's going to go down. And then they had uh, there's a there's a still photo I've seen of um, of Ryan Baird on on a blind side um, with you know very like messy rook. Where Ryan Baird is on a five-meter blindside just against Astoy. And you're thinking, oh. But, you know, still photos sort of lie a little bit. I think I think that moment lasted for about 1.5 seconds and then Gibson Park gets pulled into the rock, etc. Uh, so, you know, the one thing I would say, like in that one-point game, you get all the way down, they get all the way down the pitch, Leinster, you know, they actually put, get the ball in hand I wouldn't say they force a high tackle, but it's a high tackle from Dante. They go again. They sort of go backwards, but then they get go forward again. And you get into this situation at the end where Al-Ala throws himself into the uh, breakdown against George-Henri uh, Colomb. gets red-carded rightly for the, for, you know, clattering into his head with a tucked shoulder. It's a red in pretty much every game. But there is that situation in like, that's what people were doing all game long. So, I'm not that I feel, I do feel sorry for him. What am I going to say? Like, that's that's what was happening all the time. I feel sorry for Jean-Jean for getting, you know, knocked out as well. But, um, it's, a, it got like, Lens it get all the way down the pitch and, are, you know, should be on 78 minutes. They should be able to force something. You know, whether it's force a try or whether it's force a penalty. And, and instead, you know, you get this red card incident and, and then it's, Oh, Then it's like All your hopes and dreams Going down to shitter
0: But I think even the fact That we're asking the question Do you want to Defend against La Rochelle in your own half For like One or two minutes Just Indicates how much La Rochelle had Leinster In their pocket Even in a one point game That you're going Leinster will get ahead By two points With one minute to go And you still think I think La Rochelle Are going to win this
2: I doubt Like I'm not going to say It was the first thing In my mind But it was like Second thing in my mind as they're going, if we give these guys the ball back with too much time, they'll get a pen. You know? And knock it over. Like, if they get the ball that's, back with four minutes, yeah. you see the second half, how it played out, and you're going, these lads can just march down the pitch almost at will. Um, certainly, like I'm not saying it was the right thing to think, but, like, that's what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. Someone needs to stop him. Referee blows for half time.
1: Big, big big questions need to be asked of Leinster, who have only won two Irish URC Shields in the last two years. Yeah, well, it keeps on saying we won no silver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see anyone else in Ireland win the Irish shield. <laughs> okay. Um, this is the end of the six seasons, or is it seven seasons? It? Seven, so 2016-17 up to... under Lancaster um, and uh, an appropriate point to do a helicopter view big assessment of where Leinster are at at the end of his tenure Uh, given they've um, had such a similar end season to last year where
0: are they at? Really good incredibly solid
2: yeah, like I feel I feel quite a lot of like i well, not quite a lot. I feel a lot of uh, sympathy for Stuart Lancaster not getting over the line or or the team not getting over the line and getting a European Cup from a second European Cup from. Um but I think that he's brought an enormous amount to the squad over the last 7 years both in terms of how the team play and uh, then in also in terms of uh, growth of individual players players coached uh, just to improve in their skills on a, on a basic level that like a lot of players individually have improved and then also a lot of players have learned an awful lot about the game and their role in the game you know from you know being thinking thinking more about the game not being told what to do but being told to think um and I think he's had a he's just had a hugely beneficial impact on Leinster and like another thing which I was thinking like he has brought us as far as he can bring us because like whether whether we like it or not like he's he's gone next season and then on the on the other side of that you're thinking well like there is a new really well established coach coming in in Nianaber. Nina Barr. I don't know how you say his name I said that confidently first and then second guess myself and on the back of a second defeat to the same team, you're thinking like if Lancaster is going, you know, it's like I think Nien sort of looks even a better appointment than it did when he was first announced because it's, you know, you would think that like defense certainly was something you brought up in that game, but also the different mindset I thought that, if I'm just going to continue in one more thing, it's uh, something which I've talked about for quite a long time. Uh, and it was interesting to see a, a quote from Andrew Porter saying that when he started uh, and Lancaster was in, like Porter was like 126, 128 kilos. And Lancaster said to him, well, if you can train, do my training sessions at that weight, you know, fine, you can stick with it. And Porter like slimmed down significantly. Like in the space of one season, he went from 125 to 114 kilos, switching from tight head to loose head as well. You know, n- not an insignificant change there. But one of the things which I've taught is that like, there, there is a, there has been a, a size revolution. We talked about it in previous podcasts where it used to be that 120 kilos was that a big number to be over. And now like, it's 135, it's 15 kilos extra. You know it's two stone over what used to be the big number of playing in. You know, there used to be a big front row if you were 120 kilos, and now you're a big front row if you're 135 kilos. So there is that change in which Leinster have been, you know, uh, bullied up front by a La Rochelle side which have these multiple heavy guys in. You bring in Naber and you're thinking, well, maybe he he just does go with, tries to get. Um, instead of instead of, instead of of trying to get guys to play faster and faster, maybe he goes, well, we're still going to play a fast game. Goodman is still going to be largely responsible for the attack. I'm going to be largely responsible for the offense. But for the guys that I'm picking, I'm going to pick players to play 50 minutes and 30 minutes. You know, I have a squad and I'm going to say, well, these guys can get bigger because not, I'm not going to play them for 60 or 70 minutes at all. I'm going to say, yeah, Michael Milne, get bigger because you're going to be my sub prop. So I want you to be, instead of 115 kilos, I want you to be 122 kilos. You're only going to play half an hour most of the time. You don't need to be running around, getting to everything for you, know, 60 or 65 minutes. And then he might say to Vak Abdeladze, you're the same. Eat the third string prop. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what I mean. Like he might say to Vac instead of, like Vac was a player who had seemed was always on. Now he's had his injury issues, um, but always sort of on the edge. He still hasn't started a game for Leinster. I think he's 27 now. He's been in the mix for. You started against the Lions, I think.
0: Oh, did he? and he yeah. did, and he yeah. scored
2: a great try. Uh, but again, like this is this is a, a position where even if like I, I'm talking about him not starting again, then now talking about him, still using him as a sub, we're going. You can you can be like he's 122 kilos already. But like, let's move him up the depth chart. One of the things I, I thought would happen this season actually would be we just rotate props more. You know, just get more fifty minutes, thirty minutes, fifty minutes, thirty minutes. Bring Mil- and Milne has translated well. Abdeladze hasn't. You know, between injury, then getting selected for Georgia in November, he actually played for Georgia in February. I was wondering where he was in February. They had two games: one against Germany, one against Netherlands, maybe. Second, where's back? playing for Georgia? So, but that's that's something which I would think that the size thing comes in. That he's you know, with Joe McCarthy, it's like you can beat 125 kilos on in my team. You know, you're going to play if you start, you'll play 55 minutes, and if you're on the bench, you'll play 25 30 minutes. So, I think that that might be something that comes in because there's, there's no doubt that like the. Dealing with the massive pack of La Rochelle, and previous to that, Saracens, that's been a that's been an issue for Leinster. And you're talking about at the absolute top end
1: of Europe, semi-finals and finals. So, you said Leinster are very steady, solid, solid, not solid enough by the sounds of things. Sounds like they're going to be
0: solider. <laughs> Uh, given how Matt O'Connor always wanted to bring in other guys, go- like somebody else somebody from outside the province, these guys want to come here and just did not read the room spectacular misread of the room um and he was gone after two seasons but it, it, that was that was Leinster you know, within the last 10 years and Cullen has obviously driven the sort of the sustainable model, if you want to put it like that. But Lancaster was the perfect foil. I mean, I have to say if there was ever such a a beneficial marriage in, in coaching terms, (laughs) look, you can look at O'Gara and Lara Shell, that one really worked out, but um. Like, Lancaster and Leinster was right up there. They were really, really good for each other. Um, I pretty use the word solid advisedly. My favorite era is Stuart Lancaster, and this is probably the second trope to the Hugo Keenan trope that uh, just keep going back to it. But um, in, his, in his first season with Leinster... They beat the Scarlets. They ripped the Scarlets apart. And then the Irish guys came back and they had to slow the game down. And the Scarlets won the league that season. But there was, during the Six Nations, I I don't know how many of that Scarlets team went on to play in the final and win it. But, you know, there had to be a few. Leinster ripped them. And they they played a game of offloads and pass before tackle. And it was difficult for guys who were playing under Joe Schmidt to assimilate to it. And they never went back to it, you know, because I think they were probably looking at it going, I don't know, I really don't know like when they swapped with Farrell why they didn't, but I would assume bringing back a bulk of internationals who just couldn't assimilate, bringing back their better players who then played worse with Leinster because they couldn't play the game plan it just didn't make any sense. So they stopped doing it, but... um for those few months that he did it, and it was kind of he was liberated. He had the players consistently for weeks and weeks and weeks. Haven't been an international coach, and the players were really good, and the players really took to it. And like it was a match. I think it was against zebra Pretty sure it was against zebra Robbie Henshaw played in it. Um when Jamie Heastlip retired, uh, 2018. Yeah. So we'll before have, the World Cup. I think yeah. Jamie Heaster played in it. And they kind of got their heads around it as the game progressed. And they were going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm getting this now. This is good. They put 70 points on zebri And, like, they put 30 of them on in the last 20 minutes or something like that as the players got better and better. So it was kind of a shame that they... I was the <laughs> eye <mark was> the- <laughs> uh, it? mark, was just It was just a shame that they they didn't keep that kind of game in the locker. To, to just have a rip of teams um and look that that's completely personal pretty my favorite ever rugby team is the I sound like Matt Williams now but it's the uh, it's the West Tigers of Jesus like two two thousand or 2001 or something like that with Benji Marshall playing at standoff and they were smaller than nobody they played against they played St George not in the grand final but in the
2: in the minor or something
0: like like that like whatever the semi-finals have this cool name and uh, I think the biggest guy on the Tigers was as big as the smallest guy in the Dragons and the Dragons had had a great regular season and the Tigers just ripped them and they had a go from everywhere and they were fit and they just passed and ran and I, I loved it so um but he improves so many players. To do so go back to the Matt, the Matt O'Connor comparison and Leinster like Leinster have like two and a half teams now of almost pretty much consistently guys produced from Leinster and all of these guys who have been trained really well by Stuart Lancaster. The the coaching is it's it's given great opportunity for Leinster to sort of rotate between Felipe Comteponi to bring in Goodman to out uh, rotated Dennis Leamy and to to bring in Sean O'Brien to bring Rob McBride across that, that having all of those things right and solid and Lancaster like Leo's right at the heart of it okay like these are Leo's calls but like having Lancaster there as the kind of the the, the godfather of coaching has has helped all these other coaches fit in and it means that when Naber is coming across, it's it's attractive for Naber to come, and he fits, and he's he's. But there, there's continuity there because there's all these other coaches there with them. So, like Leinster, incredibly solid. Leinster aren't going anywhere. I mean, I, I guess that Leinster didn't win anything this season, and they didn't win anything last season. But if you look at where their graph is, they're top of the league. They're the top non-French club in the Heineken Cup and like you know look you you kind of not to be scrambling around for kind of moral victories but really when you're looking at it when you when you average out the results and you look at sorry when you average out like the results of the competition and you look at just where they where they finish and the long-term trend and you go like Leinster are still right up there oh god so yeah. you look at like I look at I read, I read Jerry Thorny's thing and he goes, oh, like, you know, La Rochelle, oh, you know, European... I can't even remember the term that he used. And I sort of go, look, La Rochelle aren't going to have Will Skelton all the time. They're not going to have Uni Antonio all the time. And they're not going to have Ronald Agarra for 20 years. And even if they have Ronald Agarra for 20 years, they're not going to have Will Skelton for 20 years, right? La Rochelle don't have the structural advantages that even a Bordeaux or a Leon would have. They certainly don't have the structural advantages that Toulouse have. Like, Toulouse are... I was trying to figure out like where where Leinster figure in you know fill into this gap with uh, soccer analogies like Toulouse or Real Madrid. They um, and I was kind of going Leinster used to be Ajax. Are they are they now Bayern Munich? And I'm sort of going I don't know like if people just get bored of them they they don't have the FC Hollywood characteristics of Bayern Munich but they're they're not Ajax anymore. I I, I don't know exactly. Olympiacos, 10 leagues in a row, 15 <laughs> leagues in a row. not <laughs> exactly yeah. where they fit. Like, are they, are they Barcelona? They're, they're not quite. No, they're not Barcelona. They're not Barcelona. So, somewhere in between Barn and Ajax, whatever that is, it doesn't really exist, but, oh jeez, we're Juve. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it could be Juve. Yeah. Um, that Leinster have these structural advantages that they are taking advantage of. So this is, like, people give out about the demographics And then you go, but that's with that sort of comes its own unique set of problems where you end up marching through the season, winning all these matches, getting yourself into this situation, and then find that you have to play three or four back-to-back matches in May. Like you have to beat Toulouse, then you have to win a semi-final with the final the following week. And then if you win that final, you've got to either stay off the grog or pick yourself up the floor to play in the other final. And you go like, it's it's an incredible pace change um, throughout. And it's what Leinster have created for themselves. So they have to figure out a way to do it. I mean, like my immediate reaction in the pub after the match was that with Nia Naber coming, bring Springboks with him. And it could only be one or two. And, like, the obvious guy is, like, bring Eben Ezebeth. Now, Eben Ezebeth signed a five-year deal with the Sharks. I was looking up, like, uh, Mostert is playing with the Heat over in the Honda, yeah, heat Honda Heat. Yeah, Honda in, Heat, yeah. In Japan. But the obvious one is, like, bring over a test class of science. RG Snyman from Munster. <laughs> <Like, laughs> <yeah. laughs> Jesus. Um, but 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 that's but then you're sort of going, like, sign Ox and Che. Like, you know, just just get these... Tight five Springbok forwards or sign and and just go like what's your plans Just like give the walderman peepee wherever he is, go in a first receiver and just go with them or sign a Renzi or something like that. But um like when Van Gran went to Munster, the best thing he did for Munster was sign DLN Day and Snyman, even though Snyman was injured for most of it. That it's just you know oh, it's huge, you, it's massive. You can't you can't clone these guys, like yeah. they're they're the best players. Like I, I've
2: I've said this f- forever. Like I love seeing, uh, like big foreign players coming to to I Love it's really interesting. You want to see these players. It gets more people coming to the games. Gets more people who are already going to the games interested in seeing how they do. Oh, I'd
0: love it. I'd love like a World Cup winner. So you go from that angle. The signing of near neighbor is very encouraging because he's got the inside track with all the Springboks.
2: Yeah, and he's a defensive coach, and I think that it's a good balance. We've seen from Goodman that he's got a really good handle on the attacking coach, the attacking uh, end of the game. So I think it's sort of more balanced, whereas Lancaster was a Joe Schmidt type of coach, attack and defense at the same time. Whereas now you have you have attack being Goodman and defense being Ninaber and, and senior coach as well. And at the same time that you have Cullen there going, well, I'm going to make sure that... Like I select the team. Like Nenaber not gonna. There's not gonna be a bad fit here. It's not gonna be. Oh, I'm gonna like do a Van Gran on it and take.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, take the take the group into. Like from from what I've read and 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 you know, listened to in interviews, so it was like Van Gran was constantly stopping training sessions to say, "No, this is the mistake here. Let's do this again." So you just end up doing things quite slowly but perfectly, which is not rugby. You know, it's not like the game is played anyway. So, you know, if you, if, if Cullen's there going, well, this is not like, this is not how the training is going to run. And I, I'm not saying Ninabra would, would run it like that, but you have that, you have that oversight and overall responsibility of Cullen where, you know, if, if there's a sort of a, a bad fit, I don't think never would be a bad fit, but you correct it early. You go, you correct. You go, well, this is, you have your head to a certain degree, but
0: ultimately I make the decisions. The other, Thing that'll be interesting about him is that he's a qualified physio, who's first, and then a strength and conditioning coach. So your comments on like what weight this, the guy will be at are they're very well informed. Like he'll he, he'll really be on the money in terms of, uh you know, guys picking up injuries, minutes guys play, all of that sort of stuff. He'll he'll really have his own ideas about that. Mm. Um, and he's coached in the league and he's coached in Ireland. So he knows the structure of the sort of. Well. The, the curious thing with it is, I, I don't know if you have to be registered as an Irish physio, but one of the things about him with South Africa is he's on the pitch because he qualifies as medical personnel. So most coaches can't go onto the pitch because they're coaches. So the doc can go on or the physio can go on or a player can go on as the water carrier. Mm. He, he relays the message. But Neil Eber goes on the pitch. 'Cause he's, he's a physio. So that'll be a different twist that the guy who's the head coach is gonna be able to go on and directly relay his message to the guys who he directly. <laughs>
2: Take your fucking points. Take <laughs> your <laughs>
1: points. <laughs> To play, the winner takes it on. The loser standing small beside the victory. Like I used to kiss you Does it feel the same When she calls your name